Hello and welcome back to Film and Other Drugs. You're with you're with me, Nora, and I'm with Selma. Hi, Selma. Hey, Nora. Um, so we're moving on to a completely new project. We're looking at Breaking Bad. This is super exciting. I've I've only seen a few episodes, so this is brand new to me. And um, Selma, what's been you know your history with this show? So I never saw it when it first came out. I didn't see it. But then when me and my uh, then boyfriend got together, uh, he was a big fan. And he's like, oh, you should see it. You'll really like it. And I said, okay. So I gave it a shot. And I think we finished the first two seasons. Because at that point, two seasons had already gone by. Um, We finished the first two seasons, like, in a week. (laughs) We were just so, like, excited to, like, watch it. I loved it so much. And so we watched it as it was coming out after that. And then I watched it again. Uh, I want to say like a few years later, uh, I definitely didn't remember everything at that point. So it was mm-hmm. nice to to see it again and see the beginning. So this will be my third time actually watching it all wow. the way through. And You're I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah, it is a really good show. Yeah. I absolutely love uh, what it did for television, honestly. Like I think it really busted open some doors as far as what people thought um, or what I guess Hollywood thought. Uh, the uh, at-home viewer was capable of uh, of viewing on a weekly basis, you know? Like, they really upped the ante on how they delivered a story, and, and, and the storytelling in this is just amazing. I, yeah, I, I, I can understand. I mean, it, it came out in 2008, and mm-hmm. I guess at that time, was that around the time, like, The Walking Dead came out, or did it come out before The Walking Dead? I want to say it came out before The Walking Dead because I did start The Walking Dead when it came out, and yeah, that, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like you were saying, I think yeah, it's really interesting how like what it presents on TV and sort of the it's quite heavy, but not not yeah. like cannibal, but sort of um, heavy in a sense of like just it explores so many rough, not rough, mm-hmm. tough issues, like you know. Um, I've been only I've only seen the first three episodes and that that I remember. I think I've watched the show a few years ago, just for a bit, and then sort of I don't know why I gave up on it. I think I want to figure that out as well as I go along. But yeah. just from the first few episodes, you can see that there's an element of like sickness, or um, there's obviously it's about drugs and yeah. It's it's very, it really explores, like, the human condition when put mm-hmm. under pressure, you know? Yeah. And I think it really explores kind of a modern man's life, a modern man, you know? So he's no longer uh, the person in charge of the household, you know? And he's, I mean, we'll get into it in this first episode. It really sets the scene as to what type of treatment walt gets uh on a regular basis before the show starts you know how his life was before yeah and uh it's it's very interesting to see just how much pressure is put on men in this kind of way because you know you have these expectations but at the same time like nobody wants to follow the rules in order to make those expectations happen you know (laughs) right yeah it's um seeing the role of a man sort of change through time right and seeing how how it starts to disintegrate i mean this show i think is really relevant to men nowadays as well 
Um, mm-hmm. Even more so because people are still suffering, or not suffering, but um, acknowledging there is an issue with the role and the value that men have in today's society. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'll just grab my notes. So to begin, what we're going to do is just, yeah, go through the episodes without synopsis. We are your synopsis. So if you're watching (laughs) along with us, um, we will only be covering season one, episodes one to three in this particular podcast episode. So please make sure you've watched that. Watch those episodes if you don't want any spoilers for those episodes. Um, The first shot I found really interesting, like of the trousers or pants sort of floating in the air oh yeah oh my god reminded me of a few different like not to be too per- super intertextual but it reminded me of falling man and also ozymandias like ozymandias is a poem and it's about like this great pharaoh about a statue of a great pharaoh who's long forgotten and it's all his power is sort of disintegrated and his statue's broken down and two trunkless legs of stone is a particular line from the poem. And when I saw that, you know, in a way, two trunkless legs of stone is represented through the trousers floating in the air, almost uh-huh. feels like a symbol of loss of power, loss of control. Like, you know, like who wears the trousers in the relationship type thing? The trousers are off. I don't know. It's mm. kind of a migraine is gigantic right now because you mentioned this (laughs) oh okay (laughs) so i know we said we're not going to look in the future for anything right but just so you know there is an episode that is called that ozymandias (laughs) oh okay and it's in the very last season so yeah that's that's awesome you're gonna love this show (laughs) amazing yeah i was wondering why he like because i i i teach you know, I'm a teacher as well, so this is going to be an interesting yeah. show for me. But like, I, I remember teaching Ozymandias and hearing his voice over for the poem, and I was like, "Is it related to Breaking Bad somehow?" And I don't know, so that's cool that they have a whole episode, or like that so they refer to it explicitly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's. I. I want to say that it's definitely an allegory that they thought of when. Yeah. You know, going through the show. Although I know they changed some things uh, throughout the seasons, just because, like I said before, uh, I think it was before we started, but there was times when they weren't sure that they were going to get picked up again for another season, you know? So they were always um, kind of changing things on that note. Like, okay, are we going to be able to go on or not? Or do I need to finish this up? Like, do I need to wrap things up in this one season that I'm getting, you know? So it's very um, interesting to see the changes that Vince makes throughout the the seasons because of that, you know? And I think, I think they, that I'm just really happy that they gave him an opportunity to really flesh out and tell the story the way it needed to be told. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I can't comment. I don't know how it ended or, this, the, like, do you feel like the five seasons was enough? Like, they really fully covered oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well. Okay, amazing. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. And it, there's so much closure, which is nice. But then, so you know, there is a movie that came out, uh, which was why I watched it a second time, because the movie came out uh, that year and my son wanted to see it, but he'd never seen the show. So we watched the show together so that we could watch the movie together. Um, but it's like a post 
kind of thing where it's after the show. Uh, so it's not a prequel, for example, like Better Call Saul, which is a prequel to the show. Yeah. Um, so that movie kind of ties up all the loose ends that were left. But like, even if you didn't watch that, it was satisfying to okay. some extent. Well, that that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. And the other thing it reminded me of is Falling Man by Don DeLillo and this post sort of 9-11 um, it's a book about 9-11 or about, you know, the immediate aftermath of it. And mm-hmm. um, there's a symbol in the book of this floating shirt. And I know I'm still on this whole floating clothes uh, metaphor, but um, I rewatched the beginning of that episode a few times because it, I don't know why it was so moving. And then immediately we just jump to um, chaos. I'm like, whoa. What's yeah. That? this guy without pants on and he's like in his tiny whiteies and i'm like what's going on (laughs) no that's you know what that's why i say you're really gonna love this show because there is a lot of symbolism in a lot of scenes and if you're a smart cookie which you are you'll pick them up but it's it's very well done in that uh he is very fond of metaphorical scenes like that yeah um yeah so, so what did you think at the beginning i mean i know you've seen it a few times but you yeah were... um so <laughs> it's it was interesting to watch it over again i there's some things that i pick up because now i'm like looking at it that way like i'm trying to look at it that way yeah. instead of just letting it happen because like you said it gets very erratic really fast like immediately mm-hmm. um i was interested in the fact that he okay so he's recording his not really a confession, but he's really confessing to his family that everything that's happening was all because he was doing it for them, right? And I feel like that really sets up the show where... Oh, the recording, he, yes. Yes, yeah, where he's 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 got this camcorder and he's recording something uh, to his family and he's just, you know, you're going to see a lot of things come out because he's assuming that these sirens are coming for him, of course, you know, and of course, you're just starting the show. You don't know, but all you know is what he's telling his family in this recording is that whatever's about to happen, he brought it on himself and they need to know that he only did it in their best interests. And it's like, wow, okay, what did you do? (laughs) And, uh, And I thought it was... I didn't catch this the first or second time I watched it, but it looked like he was about to try and do like a suicide by cop where he was going up to the, to the street with the gun out towards the police. And I mean, police only do one thing when you do that and they shoot you. So he was ready to die. (laughs) I I was like, he was going to survive, but you're right. I mean, if there's more of them that he's basically trying to get killed. Uh huh. Yeah. And I, like I said, I didn't, pick that up the first time but this time i was like wow he is really ready to just let it all go and then of course it's it cuts to three weeks earlier and then we finally do get to meet walt uh or walter and uh i like how they go through his like daily life like it's just like a regular morning he wakes up five in the morning you see that you know, there's what looks to be baby stuff is is kind of strewn about in a room. He's doing his morning little exercise routine, which is just on a stepper, you know, so it's very, um, he's not doing anything intense. He's right. not doing anything stressful, you know. 
And I noticed on the wall, I don't think I, I, I probably noticed it before, but like I really took the time to like pause and read what it said. But basically, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for contributing to research. Like, yes. that's a huge thing. Yes. Um, yeah, I read the title, like, contributed to research for Nobel Prize, question mark, question mark. Like, the fact that he's living this kind of life, like, you don't expect that. But then again, you don't know. Like, I guess people have been awarded things and then, you know, are forgotten. There's this aspect yeah. of, again, like, legacy and um, accomplishment, I guess. It must be hard for someone to go from that to the life he's living now, like the daily like grind. Right. And I think that's the impression we're supposed to get. Like, obviously, this man is accomplished. This yeah. happened back in 1985. Obviously, this isn't 1985 anymore. Yeah. But and then right next to it was a merit award from a New Mexico public school. So it's much smaller of an award, but still an award, you know, but it, you can see like where he's gone he went from nobel prize winner researcher to he's teaching in high school in public school like he's not even in college or something right so it's supposed to be to show where he's not living up to probably his own expectations right yeah yeah oh yeah that's a good point if you if you win a nobel prize thing why wouldn't you be teaching at a college like that's just that's that's like the next not next step but i mean that's as low as it should go because you ha clearly have the brains to teach adults and stuff right yeah. and so that gets the gears going like what happened like why mm -hmm. what happened in those years between 1985 and now it's a long time yeah and then of course i love how you get introduced to his wife and automatically she's being pushy and Telling no. him what to do. <laughs> yeah. Basically treating him like a child. Um, yes. And, and it's his 50th birthday. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we find out later that she's like not even 40 yet. And I'm like, wow. They, they seem, she seems a lot older. Not older than him, but just the way she, she treats him, it's almost she like. She treats him like a child, exactly. Yeah. He's not really getting respect, as we can yeah. see from his daily life, you know. Yeah. And, and and I think that, like, it's so interesting how it's, like, a big kind of, not a splash of cold water, I guess, so to speak. Because, like, you can see where he, when he's by himself, he's trying to be quiet. He's trying to be respectful of everybody else in the house. But he's also doing things for himself, even in the smallest way that he can. But, you know, as soon as everybody else is in the house, they kind of they're all loud. They're just they're they're arguing already first thing in the morning. And he's just like, can you know, it's my birthday. I just want peace. <laughs> yeah, it, it is uh, clear to see that, you know, he he has this storm inside of him. I feel like when I when I'm introduced to this character, I, I remember thinking when I was introduced to him, I was like, OK. He seems like he's on the edge. He seems like a ticking time bomb, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, just like do, doing the daily like motions, but he doesn't feel alive to me. And I, I think even in the first episode, we see his wife trying to like, you know, reward him or give him something for his birthday sexually, and mm -hmm. it, he's just not into it. 
Um, yeah. Well, he can tell that she's so um, distracted. She's like, she's not even giving him her full attention. Yes. Like he's not even worth that. And that that's sad in itself. And it, it, yeah, her other hand's on the laptop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It and, is it's really sad. And of course, you know, he goes to school after that morning and he, you know, you see the passion that he has for the, 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 the subject that he's teaching, which is chemistry. Yeah. And it's like the only time he looks alive in yes. that episode. Yeah, that's so true. That that before stage, and he talks about chemistry as the study of change. Like I wrote some things that he said: mm-hmm. um, growth, decay, transformation. And I'm like, okay, obviously that's hinting at what might happen to him because. Oh yeah, that's so know. true. Um, and he talks about this idea of like we are just chemistry. There's like a, I don't remember what episode it was, but like you said, you know all of these episodes like one big episode um i'll try and stick to the episode order but there's something about the soul that comes up that i want to ask you about because i'm like what is oh yeah i I remember exactly what you're talking about yep right yeah yes idea of us being we are just chemicals but we're not right like there's something missing (laughs) it's such a funny thing for him to flash back on you know considering what's happening in that episode um but of course, when he's in class, he faces another indignity where the kids don't respect him and what he's up there doing and giving them. You yeah. know, he's giving them his labor, his his passion, what he knows so much about, what he's won awards for, yeah. and they could care less. Like, they just don't care. No, 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 yeah, just speaking, like, as a teacher, I think the quickest profession, the quickest way to be humbled is to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, it is, I, well, not, I, I mean, I don't want to say that. There are other jobs you can do to be humbled, of course, but there is this sense of you cannot be your normal, like, self. Like, say you're disrespected in the street, the way you would behave might be different to how you would with a child or, you know, a student. You know, you have right. to, he, he is restricted so much, not just at home, because I think his wife seems to be running the show, but at work as well, he doesn't have the ability or freedom to express himself. His anger, his frustration, his emotions, they're just always locked down. Mm-hmm. Super pent up. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, really pent up, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and we, we see this common thread also, like in his wife's complaints mm. and the state of his home. And yeah. then in the next scene where he has to go to his second job. So he's got the chemistry teaching job, but he also works at a car wash and he yeah. doesn't want to work outside. You know, he's mm-hmm. trying to keep some sort of dignity by only working mm-hmm. the counter. Yeah. But his boss doesn't care about Walt's dignity. And when somebody's out, he has no issue telling Walt to go outside and do menial and manual labor outside versus inside where he feels at least he can keep some sort of respect for himself and so yeah. he's working out there and who's out there but some of his students that were respecting him at, at school so now they've got more to uh pile on basically yeah i mean these things are like the catalyst in his mm-hmm. life right and, and so 
And we see that, of course, okay, so he's got a second job and things are breaking at his home. The water heater's broken. Uh, his health is declining because uh, he's not able to really look after himself because he's you know, working so much. And then he gets home and it's his birthday. So they have a surprise birthday party for him. So there he is again, surprised, not realizing that his house would be full of people. Um, and I don't think he, I don't think he appreciated a surprise party. I think that was more for his wife and less for him. Yeah, I, I agree. He, she, she even said to him, you're late. You know, it's clearly it's about appearances and what she should do rather than what he wants. And I think um, that can happen in relationships. You kind of keep up appearances. Yeah. When he's on his way home, I realized I forgot his car keeps messing up. Like he's the inside of his car is like falling apart. So his mm -hmm. car is also going down. So he's just like seeing all the bills piling up, even though they're not there yet. They're going to be, you know. Right. So he's definitely stressed out. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, yeah. I mean, we, we find out why he he cracks in the end, I think. Like so far, it's just kind of daily grind you know oh this is just life he's kind of giving in giving up or succumbing to it um and then i think it's at his party that there's this this uh video or this news report about some kind of uh find that the dea is it, are they called the dea or the yes oh. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah drug uh Drug Enforcement Agency, I believe is what it's called. Right, yeah. And he's asking him, you know, how much money is that? Like, because they reveal that there's, they've seized all this money from these drug people, drug uh, gangster lords, whatever. Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a drug bust for a meth house. Right. And the, so Skyler's sister's husband is a DEA agent. And he's there at the party and... Of course, he's showing off because he's super manly. He's very in charge of his job, and he's very proud of his job. And he, even his friends are there at the party. And uh, so he's kind of like like the opposite of Hal. Uh, Hal. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to do that a lot because I can't help but see him as Hal from as Malcolm, Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle, yes. <laughs> Me too. I remember the first time I saw the first few episodes of this show years ago, and I remember thinking, oh, I can't do this. I know! <laughs> he looks like Frankie Muniz. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, so Walt and Hank are kind of kind of like opposites, you know? That you've got this masculine, strong, virile man who does a masculine manly job, who <laughs> kicks ass and takes names, right? And And then you've got Walt and he's not <laughs> poor guy and he just he feels it you know he feels if not the societal pressure his own pressure to be at least something like that you know and so so yeah so there's the the, the hank wants to show off what yeah. he did that day and so he's like oh we got to watch the news and mm. sure enough there's this drug pest that he was in charge of that he was like yeah we got him he's so cool right yeah but there's a lot of money involved and hank's like that's a lot of money 
And I think at this point, he was already like the gears are starting to to work. Or he yeah. was like, I got to do something. And I thought that was really interesting in light of what happens, you know, towards the end of the episode. Uh, but he's already thinking of ways of getting out of debt that are not legal. <laughs> right. So he was already desperate, even yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I made a note at some point, like, this is so, this show is so great because he's living... He starts to live the life that a lot of people, I'm sure, it's crossed their mind, even for a second, you know, what, mm -hmm. how can I make money without working for the man? And like, you know, oh, you know, as a joke, I'll rob a bank kind of thing. But right. he, he legit starts living that crazy life. And um, it's fascinating to see someone so ordinary and normal do that. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, just about hank he says something about the gun being heavy and that's why they hire men like yeah sick masculinity of this guy he drives me crazy but i'm sure i think i remember thinking later on that he's a good guy but at first i just my impression of him is just oh my god you're so extra like yes you don't need to be that extra though <laughs> Right. But it's like, okay, so I see it now where it's like, it's supposed to be extra because of how extra Walt has been emasculated in this one, in, in the first 20 minutes of the show, you know? Yeah. And it's like, they really want you to see like how far he's fallen from the male role uh, as, as how society deems it should be, you know? Yeah, and then him him rubbing it in is just extra salt in the wound. It's like, wow, poor Walt. Yeah, I mean he he's he's fallen from he can't even provide for his family. Right, he can't, he's not even at the top of his his game as he once was. I mean, if he had started off a teacher and had never been a Nobel Prize winner, maybe it would have felt differently. Maybe he would have climbed right. the, the the ladder of his faculty at school. But I think because he was at a certain stage and his framing of the situation is that he he has fallen so far it's it's kind of at the point where you just don't feel like change um whereas i think if you start low you're more likely to go yeah i, I guess i could build up oh i guess i could take a promotion but mm -hmm. to him nothing will compare to what he once has and i think he's constantly comparing himself to his past and then of course to everyone around him who can right provide. Is kind man. of like um you know who it reminds me of <laughs> al bundy from uh uh what's it called oh gosh what's this show called i can't believe i don't married with children have you ever seen it no okay so it's a sitcom from like the late 80s early 90s mm. where al bundy is the patriarch of the family so he's the father and he's always bringing up his high school accomplishments, you know. But now he's a uh, a shoe salesman. That's his job now. So mm -hmm. all he ever has are stories of, you know, the great game that he won when he was the quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Like, that was, that's, he peaked, you know, in high school. So yes. I feel like poor Walt, you know, he peaked in right after college, I guess, because he's young and 85. And that's all his mind ever really goes back to like how could i have gone from there to here yeah yeah the whole typical kind of like middle age regrets type of thing 
Mm -hmm. And it is the perfect sort of age for transformation. And I find um, transformation can happen at any time, any time. But I, I do think that there is a, it's probably most common once you've finished, once you can kind of sit back and reflect and maybe people are too busy working and having kids to do that. Right, right. And he's 50 now. So it's like, yeah. you know, he's, he's, lived more than half his life more than likely and he feels like you know i can't i can't even change my water heater out and i'm having to get on my hands and knees to clean somebody else's tires what am i going to do so all of a sudden seeing all that money pass Mm -hmm. through the hands of meth dealers i mean in his mind they don't deserve that he does you know (laughs) yeah yeah mm. and so I think you're smart go ahead. you want to you want to be able to you know if his thing is chemistry why not right like he right just make it <laughs> exactly and i think they were talking about it i can't remember i think they were talking about you know the chemistry of it and oh no 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 mm-hmm. that's that's later on when they're in the in during the ride-along um, which Hank offers. Hank offers to Walt, like, hey, whenever you want, I'll take you on a, a bust so you can see it. And he's like, okay, all right. And yeah. he, like, thinks about it, but he kind of, like, you know, he files it away for later, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely, the cogs are turning, and he's like, right, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets the temptation. Uh, it just grows in him, I think, just seeing the lab. and or he, I don't know if he gets to see it, I can't remember. Um, yeah he does he reveals it later but yeah he does get to see it later uh so i guess the next day he goes to work at the car wash yeah and he's lugging around this big uh tub i forget what they're called but it's just like a drum a big plastic drum uh more than likely filled with soap and kind of struggles with a little bit and then before you know he keels over and it's like whoa what happened wakes up in an ambulance and he's like oh and they're like sir you're gonna have to sit still and he's looking for any way to get out of it because he knows that (laughs) yeah the ambulance ride alone is a thousand dollars and who knows how much (laughs) yeah what the fuck (laughs) he's like could you just drop me off on the corner (laughs) i just i remember i was like watching that like has that changed since then? Like, is it now? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. no, it's worse. <laughs> it's worse now. And if you don't, if you don't... on ambulance rides, <laughs> you know, I'm surprised that it isn't. Because I, I had to take an ambulance once, and that was a thousand dollars, and that was back in like 2014. And mm-hmm. then my husband had to have an ambulance, and that was last year, and it was still a thousand dollars. So I'm actually surprised that it hasn't changed. Right. After so much has happened, and yeah. they look for any reason to hike up prices on anything, yeah. Um, but yeah, and and the guy asks him, he's like, "Are you a smoker?" And he's like, "No," because all this time they've peppered the scenes with uh, Walt yes. coughing. Yes, and, and you you like, just think, but he's just an unhealthy dude. Like she, even his wife is like, you know veggie bacon or whatever she gave him yeah <laughs> i was thinking oh gosh you know she's just nagging obviously she wants to take care of him he's getting older but i wrote down you know then the worst thing happens 
now yep. it's such a burden just to exist is a burden on your family like what more do you need to just kill yourself right exactly you know he finds out that he's got lung cancer and the doctor's giving him all of two years to live but that's with on top of you know that that's best chance scenario if he can get his uh chemo going which is going to cost an arm and a leg the medicine's going another arm and a leg probably several um operations he'd probably eventually need to have to extend his life if possible but still best case scenario with all that on top two years and yeah. he just kind of dissociates right there in the chair yeah and and it's really hard to watch it's um you know these things come so abruptly into a person's yeah. life i've you know i've had family mem a member of my family who this happened to and a friend who's you know happened to her mum and thank you know thankfully both made it through but even if even if you make it through you don't know you will but like the word mm -hmm. cancer is just so scary it so is label you have cancer you know it's just I don't think people think about it enough because I think if you did, you might be anxious and not able to live your life normally. But I think in a way it's important to, I think that's why people say, oh, you know, you need to save for a rainy day or like what if <laughs> economy tanks or something? And it's like, yeah, people, people do need to do that, but they don't exactly live that way because it just kind of contradicts living happily and with like living in the present i don't know right yeah and also he can't he can't afford to he literally like you said can't even afford to change the the heater or something the water heater yeah yeah so i mean this to him he's just like well Nail in the coffin <laughs> yeah and and i think he kind of i think it was finally what pushed him over the edge of feeling desperate to resignation yeah i'm like okay and i think if he because he seems like the kind of person who maybe at one point in his life was a type a but through weathering of time has kind of become a non-type a you know so he's not as um assertive and he's not as uh much of a go-getter but now that he knows that his time is short, I feel like in order to alleviate his stress and alleviate his anxiety, he's starting to make plans because yeah. he feels like, okay, my wife is pregnant. Mm -hmm. I have a son with disabilities and my wife is still very young and I'm not going to be around to take care of them. I need to do something for them. So that way at least in death, I'm not continuously disappointing them as I did in life. Yeah. Because wow, I'm that's pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just feel like he's taking it all on himself. Like, all of this is his fault, you know, because he isn't living up to his own expectations for himself. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think, you know, if you're facing death, you kind of don't really feel as afraid of the consequences you're kind of like mm -hmm. well i'm gonna die anyway i might as well give my family something on the way out 
Right. Like now it's time to, you know, at least get them taken care of. And Mm -hmm. right after he talks with the doctor, it cuts to a scene where Skylar's on the phone and she's fighting with a debt collector. And you see Walt come into the scene, which is apparently right after he's coming back from the doctor's office. And uh, she didn't even ask. Like, I guess he came home when he should have come home because she didn't think anything was amiss. No. And yeah. uh, just like, how was your day kind of thing? And he was like, it's yeah. Mm. And then he goes and he quits his job at the car wash because he's sick of that indignity. <laughs> he's like, I'm done. I'm done being pushed quit. around. That was beautiful. <laughs> you and your eyebrows. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> It's the little things that get you about your boss, and then you finally get to say it to them. <laughs> yeah. I immediately uh, thought, what are the things I would say? <laughs> heck yeah. I mean, I bet that felt so good to get rid of a second job that you felt was degrading for you to be doing anyway, you know? Yeah. Mm. And to finally just be like, you know what? I think that was his first foothold in... um taking back the power his power so to speak yeah what little of it there was you know i thought it was very telling when he's sitting behind his house after that scene after he quits his job you see him sitting in his backyard by his pool and he's just striking a match drinking a beer and thinking like you can tell his the gears are turning but like for instance, I work in the pool industry, so it's very common for people to have a pool in their backyard that is not in op- operating order because it's expensive to maintain your pool. So I'm looking at the scene like, wow, like he doesn't even have the money to uh, keep, you know, cleaning up his pool, maintaining the pool, you know, having somebody come in to do it is expensive, but doing it yourself can also be expensive, if not more so, because you could do it wrong. So they choose not to. A lot of times they just let it go. They just drain it and let it go. And that looks like what he's done. He just kind of let it go. So that's just something else that he's not doing for their home. Yeah. And as I said, <laughs> another good symbol. It's like when your cup is empty, but the bigger bigger thing when your pool is empty it's like you have nothing (laughs) yeah it's like it's kind of like a a glaring reminder of what you once had and what you don't have now you know Uh, yeah yeah that's actually a really good point because it's just literally in your face and it's such a gorgeous thing to be able to have but you just can't have it it's like almost having it but not having it Mm -hmm. you know his mind and the fact that he is still well not exactly the man he was but potentially um and yeah, I mean, with the whole boss thing, with the, like give uh, what's it called, quitting the car job thing. I I guess when you do things like that, it's your way of cementing the path you want to take. Like when you, if you screamed at someone, and you kind of know you can't go back from it, that's mm-hmm. your unconscious way of changing. Like you do have to go through fire. You do have to break down to rebuild. And he is breaking things down. He is. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. He is. Like, in this whole process, I want to say within the next few, at least in these first three episodes, he does kind of tear down the man he knew himself as. Yeah. To transform, like you said before. Hmm. Very interesting. 
Well, he he takes up Hank on his uh, offer for the ride along uh, during that scene. He calls him up and says, "Hey, about that ride along, you think we could do that?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So yeah. in the next scene, we see him and Hank and Hank's uh, partner going up to this house. They're gonna they're gonna they have a snitch. And I thought this was interesting. So there's a snitch that led them there. I don't know who the snitch is at that point, right? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. not. Until, it's not until like I think the end of the third episode that we actually realize who the snitch was. Um, and Walt really wants to go in there. Why? Because he wants to see how they do it. He wants to see how they're making meth, basically, yeah. to see if he can do it. And I mean, I'm sure he knows he can. I think he wants to go in there. And like take stock inventory of his supplies he's apparently gonna be needing. <laughs> yeah, that that's probably it. He's kind of just wetting his appetite, you know. <laughs> yeah. Doing yeah. research, basically. Such a nerd. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um and then he, he sees his ex student, right? Like Yes. Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> oh so funny. Like I, I watched that and I was like what the hell would I do if I saw that? Like, damn. <laughs> would I also join forces? Um, shout outs to students who are listening. I would not join forces. I would never do that. I'm a good teacher. <laughs> but, um, damn. And he sees the the woman upstairs. And I remember, I just remember thinking like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Like these little bits and pieces are making him remember things that he once had oh oh, yeah yeah kind of seeing how this guy is because they were talking about him in the car hank and and his partner were talking about uh the captain uh who that's what pinkman goes by that's his like street name or whatever but they're Mm. talking about him like he's just so not i guess notorious yeah you know in the area at least and you know so walt's thinking this guy must be you know like they're building him up to be such a, a grand character. And then he sees that it's his student. And he's like, well, if he can do it. <laughs> exactly. It is the case of like, are you kidding? Like, what? It just further cements his, um, not just desire, but his ability. He's like, I can definitely do this. I mean, I like seeing his confidence grow in just this episode alone. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. It might be a little bit delusional and a little bit crazy because he's obviously just been dealt this shitty hand mm-hmm. cancer um, diagnosis, but still, it's kind of amazing. I mean, part of life and part of this like motivation and zest for life sometimes does require you to be a bit crazy and a little bit daring, and you know, it's good to see him get those qualities. Yeah, like he finally realizes that taking a risk is the only way that he's going to find a way out of his predicament right now. Yeah. And I think he's ready to take that risk. I mean, he he goes through the filing system at school just to find out what Pinkman's address is so he can go find him. Yeah. And I thought that's ballsy because, you know, maybe he's not thinking about it, but maybe they can tell who accesses that information. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, Probably but, the IT office can figure that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every click should be recorded, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I doubt they're going to look that far in. Yeah, um, exactly. But I thought it was really interesting that not only 
is he prepared to take the risk, talk to Jesse Pinkman and ask him, not really ask him, but demand that he join forces with him because if he doesn't, he's going to basically narc on him. He's going to tell the DEA about who is the captain. Yeah. And I, th- I, I forgot that that happened. I forgot that he literally blackmailed Jesse into doing this. Jesse had no choice. He had to go into business with Walt. And later on, you'll see how how that really does affect Jesse. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just listening to you. I'm like, okay, yeah, he did. Yeah. He's crazy, but um, but yeah, it's I guess just kind of the way the um a way a relationship starts is important to where how it ends, perhaps. Exactly, exactly. Because all of a sudden, you know, it it puts things into perspective if you keep that in mind, basically. Okay. Um, no, I, I love having like you're like a sort of um a my Yoda for breaking <laughs> put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so oh I thought it was pretty sad, but this is also I'm sure something that doesn't sit right with Walt. But his wife, like during the, the, the hand jobs scene, and now also she kind of goes into it more in the next scene. But she's basically just buying trash that she finds around the city at markets and stuff. It's not trash, but, you know, it's like one person's trash is another person's treasure. So she's finding stuff that she doesn't have any value in, but she's selling it online as if it's something else. She's like lying about the stuff that she's buying and selling it. Uh, for higher oh, that's prices. what she's doing I had yeah no idea. I was like what is she bidding for something is she mm. yeah no she's selling she's selling stuff that she finds around town as if it's uh you know maybe designer or art from a specific person but she'll sell it for that much uh for much more than she actually purchased it for uh, uh because she doesn't have a regular job and she's work that's how she works from home Right. And then on top of that, she's writing stories. But we get the understanding that her sister, Marie, is not supportive at all. In fact, oh, yeah. her sister's such a straight edge. She's super annoying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what's crazy is that Marie is also a very big hypocrite. And I think her sister is the only one that sees that in her. Maybe she doesn't know the extent, but I think she knows that her sister is kind of uh full of it basically yeah they have a weird relationship the vibes are just strange and i'm like mm-hmm. i mean even that um is what's the what's walt's wife's name skylar skylar even skylar's a little bit kind of mm, too too much of a square you know mm-hmm. and i can i i don't know like it just doesn't makes sense how she and walt kind of fit together right i i always thought it was interesting to know what their backstory is as a family the 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 two sisters i don't recall it ever going into it though but it's very um for me it's interesting to know how they got to be the way that they are because they are very particular the both of them yes okay so we get to find that out yeah uh we don't get to find out why they're weird no i don't recall that (laughs) at least yeah (laughs) um so in the next scene 
Walt starts stealing lab equipment from the school. Yep. Which, <laughs> mind you, it is behind a, a, like, fence. Steel fence, locked gate. I'm sure somebody has to sign out for this stuff. And he's just taking it, like, okay, hopefully that doesn't come back to haunt you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you hinting at something? <laughs> well, mm. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, if anybody has worked as as or, or even been involved in a chemistry class like they are super at least here in america they're very um particular about the supplies that you're using and how well you take care of it because it's expensive stuff and public right. schools are cheap so you know mm -hmm. they they have to take very good care of the equipment that they do have so i just yeah. but of course maybe he's the head of the department so nobody's going to question it because the only one that would question it would be him maybe that's why yeah. If he's in charge, then he has to take inventory and like double double check everything. And I remember when I was at school, I think I took a, I took some like tubes or stuff because I was like, this is cool. I want this at home. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, I don't know. I guess he's taking quite a lot, right? So yeah, he's taking some big stuff. He's super excited about it too. Yeah, um, it's nice to see his passion. It's like <laughs> honestly, the way this character like starts. And just to, just how far he comes, even in just one episode, it's just so exciting. Like you know, he's going to transform to an insane degree, um, mm -hmm. and it's just yeah. Every I think every episode, you kind of you want to see a little bit more of who he could be. Um, yeah, this new person that he's becoming. Yeah, the becoming. Yeah, animal references. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> references yes um okay so then they decide that they're gonna get an rv there yeah. that this is the perfect way it's a it's a motorized meth lab that they can take <laughs> wherever and they can go out in the boonies and do what they gotta do and nobody will be the wiser and so yeah. walt goes to the bank and gives him his life savings less than seven grand is what he has in savings and that's that's not a lot and mm -hmm. uh, he gave it to him. He said this was an important enough investment to just do it. And I'm like, how? I mean, his wife seems to have a vice-like grip on their finances. So yeah. I'm, he's really throwing caution to the wind, you know? Yeah, how is she not going to? I mean, even during this episode, she said to him, did you use this card? We don't use this yeah. card. Like, how is he giving away seven grand without her knowing? Um <laughs> Unless these are, like, his specific savings that she doesn't know about? I don't know. I doubt it. I really... He doesn't seem like the kind of man who would have a hidden away seven grand that he wouldn't use towards... If it's extra, you know? That he wouldn't use towards the home oh. that he's got it, you know? Yeah. He's got a, wife, a pregnant wife. Like, I, no, I think it's their money that he took. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this whole, like, artist versus chemist thing is interesting, mm -hmm. right? Like, Pink, is his name Pinkman? Jesse. Yes, Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Jesse and Walt talking about, you know, making drugs. And, you know, Jesse's like, it's an art. And then, you know, Walt's just like, no, it's just science. And I think it's possibly this connection between like the soul and chemistry or art and chemistry that that Walt needs to redefine or re-explore in order to become the man that he becomes maybe right um, because he seems to still be like 
life is meaningless, you know, like it's just chemistry, I just need money, but the passion needs to come back, and Jesse seems to have that, and I think Jesse and Walt's relationship will be interesting, like to see how do they affect each other. Will Walt become more passionate and Jesse become more like life is meaningless, black, black and white type of thinking? I, I don't know. Mm. Um, Could have yeah. been in that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. Um, and then I, I, I don't know if you feel free to tell me about the notes that you have between that point and then them essentially being chased by these people who are like trying to kill them. And then I love when uh, Walt says, You let us both live and I will teach you. And I'm like, Ah, using his teaching still yeah <laughs> right exactly like i think i think it's a nice little view or reflection of how cunning he is mm. because that's a very quick on his toes thought to have in order to get out of the situation that he found himself in Okay, yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. I did not expect him to do what he did. I thought he was mm -hmm. genuinely going to teach them. Um, he, oh, that's true. Right, right. <laughs> right, because there was... Okay, so Jesse went, uh, after they finished making their their first batch of meth ever, Jesse's blown away. It's amazing yeah. what what Walt has done because he's, you know, his attention to detail, how insistent he was on the process to being exactly and perfectly done and all the 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 inventory that he stole from the school was very useful in making sure that they had the cleanest meth that he could make, right? And like Walt's thinking is, I made the best meth, right? So it's got to be worth a lot of money, you know? Yeah. Not even thinking, you know, I could cut this up and make even more. Like, no, I want to sell it the way it is because he only wants the best product out there because to him, it reflects on him as a chemist. And I thought that was very interesting to see him starting to take pride in himself again. Oh, that that's a really good point. Yeah. that I, Taking pride in oneself and having faith in oneself is definitely a key feature of like happiness and it seems that he he's decided you know my identity at least in this new avenue is right fucking good and not just this continuation of my fucked up life kind of thing. that's a really good point yes like like he's trying to do it again yeah like he's trying to reach a zenith so to speak right again yeah. but he wants to make sure that it's on his terms because yeah. all it wasn't the last time and that's why he ended up where he ended up which was mm. all falling far from his grace right yeah so that's a really good point yes he's trying to do it right from the beginning and he wants to do it the way he wants to do it yeah that makes sense taking control of his life again for sure mm. and so after that jesse's like okay let me go find a buyer i know exactly where to take this i'll be back so yeah. he goes and he visits Crazy Eight, uh, also known as Domingo. And so he goes to Crazy Eight's house. And what we find out is that this is the guy that he would sell his product to before when Jesse was making it himself. And so he came to him and it turns out that 
the uh, guy that got caught during the um, initial uh, was the ride along that Walt was in and they were doing, they busted that meth lab. Yeah. Uh, the guy that did get busted where Pinkman got away uh, was related to this crazy eight guy. So they've got a lot of animosity for Jesse and Jesse had no idea that he was kind of walking in on a trap, though it wasn't a trap. It, he just walked in on, I guess, a, a nest of snakes, so to speak. Yeah, I was going to be like the dragon's den, but yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> So they, they're like, well, sh- take us to this guy, right? But at that point, he already knows. He's in the shit. They yeah. they want nothing to do with him other than finding out where he got this new meth because they want to have it, right? Yeah. And that's when they come to the RV. Jesse brings them to the RV in Crazy 8's car. And uh, Crazy 8 is, you know, coming up to Walt with a gun. The Emilio was the guy that had gotten caught during the meth bust. He's beating up Jesse on the side, <laughs> knocks him unconscious. Yeah. And so they want they want Waltz to what is it that they wanted from Walt? Like they were gonna they, like I think they were gonna take it and kill him. They were just gonna kill him, right? Yeah, because he begs for his life. He he negotiates and he's like, Look, I will I will teach you how to do it if you let us both live. So he negotiates for Jesse's life as well. Oh, and that's think, right. Yeah, I, think I remember did. now. Emilio yeah. recognized him as mm. being in the back of the DEA car. And that's when yeah. things went south. Because at first, right. I think they thought he was just like a new drug guy, basically. But yeah. then they were like, oh, no, you're a snitch for the DEA. And that's when it went sideways for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like you said, he took them in, and instead of, oh yeah, I'm going to teach you how to how to do my how to make my my stuff, instead <laughs> he makes mustard gas and ch- attempts to kill these two dudes. But I mean, they I, did have a gun to his head. Yeah, I remember thinking, damn, that's fucking cool. Like, mm-hmm. good on him. I mean, he's not giving up, and um. I think even that just this act of violence is really important for him. Uh, it's the character development. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit surprising because it's like, I guess we're all willing to cross lines for certain things. And I guess to him, it is really important to, I mean, he's been diagnosed with cancer, right? So he knows he's going to die. Right. But he doesn't want to die just yet. And there's this almost like, However long he has left to live, he wants to live, you know? He's like, I'm going to live and make money and save my family and do all this. Um, It's not the kind of thing where, like, well, look, you can kill me. I'm going to die anyway. You know, another person might say that. Another person might be like, fine, do it. Like, Like he could have just said, you know, I'm going to die anyway. Fuck it. He could have just given up. But the drive to take care of his family was i think very high yeah i think because i know that this kind of becomes a thing but it's like so walt already wanted to do this is why it was important for me to understand this or realize this during walt's party his birthday party where he's already thinking about how much money he could make if he made meth right yeah when he saw it on tv 
but this was before he even knew that he was dying of cancer and he was already mm-hmm. contemplating but then the 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 threat of to his life kind of pushed him over the edge but it's like he's doing it for his family and he keeps saying that to himself right but it's I like have, i have theory. is he mm. <laughs> I, ha- I have like a a little guess here is he the kind of character that every time he beca- he gets close to death he changes a little more <laughs> right like he's transitioning more ev- with every with every threat to his life he's, he's like, doing no, the transformation like, like that's the chemistry right yeah yeah i mean um maybe another person would take it as a hint from the universe like shit i almost keep dying you know let me give this <laughs> up but maybe he's the kind of guy who's like it just reignites this fire in him um yes kind of interesting to see i think it reminds me of um this thing i read about like i wanted to bring this up in relation to the friendship between the relationship between Walt and his ex-student, um, Jesse. But this, I think, is already relevant. The threat of death also exists like within war and this whole idea of like tough times make hard men thing. Mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned in some other episodes. But yeah, it's, it's almost like he is putting himself in that environment of life or death, like, like a soldier would be at war. And it can drive like people to keep going to fight yeah that's a good point that's a good point like he keeps putting himself in the line of fire because it's not like he's shying away from the danger it's not like he's trying to keep himself safer because if that was the case he'd be going to the doctor you know he'd be getting the treatments that he needs but instead he's just like let's do it (laughs) yeah i'm dying on my terms like there isn't this sense of responsibility carefulness and like let's get let's go get chemo you know let's get better it's it's like right i'm dying i'm gonna it's not like i'm dying i'm gonna take the world down with me it's like i'm dying and i'm going to set myself a light to kind of light the way for his family i don't know i'm using too many metaphors but there is there is something that kind of contradicts what we're saying though because isn't it this no oh right he couldn't shoot himself. Oh, that's right. Well, he tried. Yes. Okay, so like in the very next scene, we kind of catch up to where we were at the beginning of the show, where you know yes. he's driving erratically and the pants are flying in the air. Yeah. And he he hear okay because what happened was Emilio had a cigarette in his mouth, and Walt asked him to please throw it out because you know it's it, it could ignite something, right? Yeah. So he throws it out. Well, what happened was it caused a fire behind the rv and this later on after he makes the mustard gas and attempts to kill these two guys with the mustard gas um i think jesse wakes up because like i said he had been knocked out earlier and in Mm -hmm. this time they realize oh no the cigarette actually ignited the 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 dead leaves on the ground next to the rv so they have to get in the truck with gas masks on in order to drive away from the fire because he couldn't put it out and so and that's that's where we kind of come up to where we were at the beginning of the show where he's driving away from the fire 
in order to save all the stuff that they have one but also two they don't want to like cause attention to themselves because of the fire yeah and uh so yeah so so at that scene where he's when i said he was gonna do suicide by cop right he instead then turns the gun to himself and yeah. he actually pulled the trigger. Yeah, and and there's nothing, or it wasn't working, or something. I don't know. It jammed. Yeah. So, and then later on, like immediately afterwards, he points it away, and it shoots. It goes off, and he realizes, like, I almost killed myself. Yeah. And <laughs> again, faced with death, he mm. transforms. Yes. And he finds, I don't know, like the the gumption to, I guess, wait. And then it turns out it's not cops. He thought it was cops in the distance because he hears the sirens. And yeah. it's not. It's just firemen going for the fire. And so he uses that opportunity to like, okay, let's find another way to get out of here. Because Jesse, I think, wakes up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He put the mask on Jesse's face for him and he threw him in the truck. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jesse. Poor Jesse. I takes a real, real beating in this episode. Um yeah. Yeah. So they they get out of the ditch. They they get help to get out of the ditch. Yeah. Uh, the example and, of them surviving together. Yeah. Forming a bond. It's really good. Uh, oh, that's right. So he goes home. Mm-hmm. He goes and, home and has a bit of fun. Yeah, he gives his wife a good. A good one too, <laughs> but you know the way she would want not 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 hitting her. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so yeah. yeah, and she's completely surprised because yeah. it's like, who are you? Like this idea of him being a new man, right? Yeah. And yeah. that makes me wonder: like, was he never that way with her? Was he never aggressive or mm -hmm. never masculine, so to speak? And is yeah. that why she finds it so easy to talk over him and to just be? Yeah you know domineering basically yeah. that's what she was with him yeah and i think that those women um do tend to attract those men right like you don't you wouldn't see a very domineering woman um keep a man who's also domineering because he'd just be like you know fuck right off like right and she wouldn't she wouldn't like it either if he's domineering yeah. like they'd just be boring. clashing yeah exactly yeah. so i think that's true there is this um, possible, like, common type of couple that you can see. Like, you see it in pub, you see it in real life, you know. You see the, the woman who's mouthy and the guy who's just, yep, I'm just, either he's blocking it out or he loves it. You know, some guys do like it. And, they do. <laughs> and and uh, it, it, it's interesting because I think that, obviously, I don't know what those people's, like, love lives alike but i think that it can obviously get stagnant or get kind of overwhelming especially if you're disrespected one too many times verbally even if she's not actually abusing him verbally she is putting him in, in a space where he doesn't right. feel like he has meaning or purpose and he's not bringing that to himself we, we can't obviously just blame the the wife obviously he has lost his own he has responsibility to create this for himself, and that's what he's doing now. And right. that's why he's been able to release the kind of the beast within or the, the more masculine side of him, which I think does exist, even within men who are more timid or mild. You know, it is... It's it there. Is, 
there yeah right and it still has a place in the relationship and I, you know not to talk about the psychology of relationships but I clearly it can be a part of them and seeing right. that happen with for them it was like oh finally like this is great you know <laughs> right but then you wonder it's like okay for her it's novel right but if he starts to be like that more often all of a sudden are they going to start butting heads is she going to find that she doesn't like this new version of him and uh <laughs> i think it's in this next episode that he finally does stand up to her oh yeah it is i love it oh he tells it my- yeah he tells her to get out of his ass <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was great so yeah. like it goes right into the second episode there is no break they're still having sex <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that. I like I like that they opened with that. It was almost like they didn't just cut it out. It was like, and also in a way, it's kind of like saying, even though it, it didn't seem like it lasted a long time, but almost like it lasted a long time. Right. Like, I think there was a little bit of a time jump because you can see where things were different. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, okay, he took what he wanted. He got up. He went to sleep on the floor. Uh, in the bathroom Mm. and then it does a time jump and it goes to because you're kind of like well what happened right like there was two guys that were passed out in the back of the rv what's happening right like what happened to that and so it goes back to the scene where they're back in the rv and uh they get helped uh to get out of the ditch and they're having a really hard time turning the car on or the RV on. And they come to this decision that after this, they're never going to do this again. That they'll never work with each other. They'll they'll clean up their mess. And then they'll be done with it, right? So it's supposed to end here, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I obviously, they, even as a new viewer, I remember thinking, obviously, it doesn't end here. It's five <laughs> seasons long. <laughs> but it's it's kind of like... You know, you almost get this feeling of no, and then you're like, no, we know, we know it continues. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. And then I thought it was interesting. Uh, the camera when they finally do get the the RV working, and they're able to drive away, and they're going back to Pinkman's house, Jess's house. Uh, this the outside camera outside of the RV kind of zooms in on a scene of. Uh, just the gas mask that Walt ripped off his face and threw in exasperation when he thought he was getting caught. Yeah. Oh, right. That's the one that they that's sort of there still, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they leave and they realize that one of the guys in the back, Crazy Eight, is still awake. Or he's still alive, rather. And he's just kind of moaning. Uh and then they, it time jumps again. There's a lot of time jumps in this episode, which I like because it kind of keeps you on your toes. Yeah. They go back to the next day while I think it was after, oh yeah, Skylar wakes him up from the floor in the bathroom. And so they're in the kitchen and the, and the living room having their breakfast. And he's just all sorts of just talkative. He's got so much to say, so much to to go over with Skylar like he just seems more I guess maybe he's trying to seem more normal but he's actually less normal <laughs> yeah he's just he seems more alive which is not normal for him before he's exactly. just passive and accepting things but just before we like move on to that I think in the RV you know after they say they're not going to make any more meth then their paths will never cross again the RV isn't starting 
And then when it starts, you kind of see this hint of like, oh, they really bonded over just even getting the RV to start. And there's this chemistry between these actors that I love, um, Jesse and Walt, um, the characters. It's like you really want to see them work together again. And they both need this. I know we haven't got Jesse's backstory yet, but um, I wonder what it means to him too to have this sort of older man mentor slash partner in crime. Right. Mm. Yeah, because all this time, I mean, he's, we eventually go back to, oh yeah, because whenever Walt went up to him for the first time with the proposal for, for them to make meth together, mm-hmm. he tells him, this is your grandmother's house or your aunt's house, right? He mm-hmm. says, no, it's my house. Oh, he's like, okay. Yes. And mm. it's like a big house, right? Mm. So it makes you wonder, like, is he there alone? Or is there yeah, somebody like, why is else he there? Doing this if he has a house, and exactly. Mm. And so, like, yeah. So they go back to his house with these yeah. two bodies later. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think. Yeah. No, they do. They do go back to the house, and I think they just leave the RV there. That's right. And and uh, Pinkman, Jesse, is absolutely losing it. He's calling him, like, were you going to come back? Or what are we going to do about this? Yeah. And he's, he's like... Like, you, you <laughs> wouldn't expect Jesse to be the one freaking out that much, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, he's been in this life before. But the, you come to understand that, yes, he's been making drugs. But obviously, he hasn't been... He's in... been a privileged drug dealer. He has Right. Exactly. <laughs> He's not exactly getting his hands super dirty when it comes mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I guess the conflict for this episode is that the guy isn't actually dead yet, and they have to figure out what they're going to do with him. Right. There was that one scene. Oh, yeah. So we figure out that Walt does go to work the next day, because I think he has to. And yeah. he's, uh, you know how you were uh, talking about uh, what he was kind of lecturing about in the first scene where he's at school this time he's at school and he's talking about uh chirality or chiral and how they look the same but they're not the same and they don't act the same they're kind of like one is good and Mm -hmm. one is bad and it's like okay we got a good waltz and we got a bad waltz (laughs) that's amazing yeah i didn't make that connection but that's so true yeah like one even as a drug Take taking the wrong one will make the the mother's child come out uh, with defects, right? And so you know maybe is that like a is that extended? Like does does his choices affect his wife's pregnancy or child or I don't know. Well, I'm not sure. I I don't think uh, I I don't think that they were going that far in with the metaphor, but maybe the result. Of what happens, you know, what what Walt yeah, is trying to do is mm-hmm. like it kind of um what's the word? Causes things to not be the way they should be. Mm, almost like a like alternate reality or something. Right, right. Mm. Right. So like you were saying, in this episode, it turns out that one guy is still alive. 
and he actually escapes from the RV. And Jesse doesn't even realize it till he's long gone. And just so happens that Walt is on his way to Jesse's house when he comes up upon Crazy Eight walking down the middle of the street like a zombie. <laughs> like the walking dead, yeah. 100%. I thought he was going to run him over. I know. I like, Dude, what are you going to do in the middle of the day? Like, you can't run him over. People might see. <laughs> he just drives alongside him like, hey. And then when he starts running, I'm like, you idiot. Like, <laughs> And he runs straight into a fucking tree. Like, that is hilarious. <laughs> I don't even think he could see straight. So that's why he ran into it. But it was just so crazy to see, like, like you could see the gears turning in Walt's head. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to take care of this? Because we're in the middle of public right now. Yeah. I, I'm surprised nobody saw him. I don't know how long he was walking around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. I think that that is the... I mean, usually in the media, they portray these things as like a a certain demographic deal with drugs, right? Or right. certain demographics. It's not usually the white guy or the middle class sort of teacher. And this, you know, I, I think that they're bringing it to the suburbs is interesting. Right. I agree. I agree. I think it's very uh, interesting to see how people who are in a different strata, you know, can get away with more just because people don't expect it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So he takes, and I thought this was interesting in light of what happens later on in the episode, but Walt takes Crazy Eight back to Jesse's house and they put him in the basement. Yeah. Then they go upstairs and they're talking to each other about what's going on. And yeah. Jesse says to him, oh, because they heard Crazy Eight moving around downstairs in the basement. And mm. Jesse looks at him and he's like, if, he, if I was him, I'd be looking for a weapon. Mm. And if I couldn't find something, I'd just lay low. And I was like, huh. So he's thinking like a person that would have been in this situation. And Walt's has no idea to even like he's not i guess he's never been in this kind of situation before to where he had to think for himself like besides what's been happening recently right so this is all new for him uh but he didn't even think that that's what could possibly happen that that's what crazy eight would do and then it turns out later that jesse was right you know and, and walt had to face that like he's like he had to learn that thinking that way was actually important even if it's not something he would do he needs to he needs to be um at, at least cognizant of what the people he's going to be dealing with and the way they think yeah yeah if he wants to live this life basically yeah and i think even talking to the guy i think that might be in episode three when he starts talking to him and getting to uh -huh. know him i feel like it's in, in a weird, twisted way, he's kind of getting to know his enemies. True. Like, he's like he's learning what kind of life he could be going into by talking yeah. to them. Yeah. 
And and I think, you know, he never had to rely on this kind of thing earlier in life. Like, he had a completely different upbringing to these guys and different background. And um, I think, in, in a way, listening to their hardships and why they had to go to this, he can probably connect with it now more so than before. Like, okay, when he was younger, he had everything. He went to college, he did this and that. He won the Nobel Prize. But now it's like he's a teenager again. He's like mm. restarting and going through this. He can relate more to a young man of a, of like um, a underprivileged background and they're connecting and yet it's dog eat dog. Like he's going to have to kill him. Although in another world, he would like to be able to connect with him maybe. Right, and it's like this camaraderie, even with the enemies, and I, I think it's this this element of like, what is it to be a man to have to find resources, etc. Um, right, I like this. To, yeah, mm. the whole the whole thing with Crazy Eight and Walt, it's like he's having to tear himself down as the person he always knew himself to be, yeah, in order to get to a point where he would be capable of purposely without you know with there being a full way of getting out of doing it still purposely killing this man and like he's trying to decide how he's going to kill him he's like looks at the knife looks at a hammer looks at a gun and in the end he chooses a plastic bag um this was in, in this episode at least and yep. even then, he was so scared when he just made a sound. The 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 crazy ape made a sound. He wasn't even walking or anything yet. And Walt freaked out and ran back upstairs. Like, still, like at that point, he he could not. There was no way that he could do it. And like he's just wrestling himself this entire time. He's getting on Jesse's ass for not doing what he is supposed to be doing, which is dissolving Emilio and acid, Emilio's body and acid. You know, but at the same time, he can't even bring himself to do what he's supposed to do, which is to kill this man. And he d he's just, he, it's weighing on him so heavily. And then he realizes in the middle of it that he's got to go, and it's such a juxtaposition, but he's got to go to his wife's sonogram appointment because they've got a baby coming. So there's life. So he's dealing with death and life at the same time. Yeah. I think that that is kind of beautiful, you know, he is, he's straddling both sides, you know, he is going to, the baby is his, and, well, we hope, and, um, and this man's death is going to be his too. It, it's quite a powerful place to be. Right? Mm. It's, it's like he's got all these people's lives in his hands, and I don't think he was prepared for the power that was given to him because he doesn't even know how to wield it at this point. Yeah, and he himself is dying. It's um, a very uh, a specific concoction of feelings. I'm sure he's feeling that. I'm sure, he's experiencing that. Yeah, that, you know, will help him wield this new version of himself. I mean, I guess in the end, conflict or adversity helps you understand who you are and create who you are but th this specific form of adversity is insane like you're dying you've got a man who you've got to kill and you've got a baby on the way 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, he would be, if it was me, I don't know how I could handle that. I don't think I could. I don't think I'd put myself in that position. And I think that's what's so interesting about the story is that most of us would not, could not make the decisions that he's making, you know, that are putting himself in these positions because of the decisions that he's made. And he's just willingly just throwing himself into this, despite having so much else to live for, you know, he's deciding, no, I'm just going to go ahead and die right in two years. Like I'm supposed to, but in the meantime, I'm just going to make as much money as I can to take care of my family. Yeah. In the most violent way I can, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And this is the scene where, um, so Skyler had done some digging, figured out who Jesse Pinkman was, and decided to confront him about it, uh, confront Walt about it. And Walt is like, look, I buy pot from him. And she's like, oh, and he's like, look, could you just climb down out of my ass for one? <laughs> So obviously this is something she does very often. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty fucking fantastic. Like that scene was just hilarious. And um like you said, you know, what what kind of relationship will ha- kind of relationship will they have when he is more domineering? And I think that uh probably all relationships are a fine balance of both you know you you kind of share the domineering qualities um obviously some relationships are heavily on one side than the other like one partner is the domineering partner all the time and i think in any form that can be quite um ugly or it can be damaging to the other person yeah and i think they like the best thing for them would probably be one where they can kind of work together and share Mm -hmm. different domineering aspects and ones where he is he feels more masculine maybe where she can feel more feminine um but right now that's not happening right now she's still (laughs) right now she's just gonna take that and 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 him telling her to crawl out of his ass and she's gonna say no i'm gonna do what i want and she goes to jesse's house and confronts him yeah. Thankfully, doesn't see the dead body he was dragging around behind him. <laughs> yeah. And he's and like freaking me. out. And she's like, yeah. my brother-in-law or whatever is DEA. And he's like, shit. And, and, and she even tells him, Walt's told me everything. Like, it's so good that he didn't just spill the beans. He was like, um, really? Like, really? <laughs> I see that in so many shows when someone, like, they use that kind of trick of, the person almost snitches on themselves because the other person, right. that person told me everything. And so it's always taught me to like, just be careful before you start spilling all your information because. Like we just wait and find out what they really know. Because they yeah. think they know everything. <laughs> not, not that I've ever had to be in that situation, but it's just right, right. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and after that, um, yeah. Oh, oh, I note down. Do not sell marijuana to my husband. Okay. It's like that's the meme. I didn't know it was from Breaking Bad. I don't know. I think I've heard that on like TikTok or something, and I've been like, what? absolutely, do not sell marijuana to my husband. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, she she really does have like an inflated sense of ego, I guess. Yeah. Like she really thinks that she can push her weight around. And if you think she's bad by mentioning her brother-in-law, can you imagine what Maria's like? Hank's wife? Oh, oh my god. Oh, I already hate her. <laughs> I've only like seen five seconds of her and I'm like, oh my god, this woman's infuriating. She is. She really is. Mm. Ah. And of course, in the end of this episode, uh, Jesse decided... Yeah, this is where he decided not to listen to, to Walt when he asked him, you know, because... Okay, so they flipped a coin, and yes. Jesse's supposed to dissolve Emilio's body in acid, because it's the easiest way to get rid of a body and not get caught. Mm. And then, and of course, Walt's supposed to kill Crazy Eight. And yeah. uh, and I assume dissolve his body too, um, but to do so they need a plastic bin that is uh, a specific kind of bin that will not dissolve in the acid that they're going to use to dissolve the body. But Jesse can't find one that's big enough to hold a whole body, and he refuses to cut a body up in order to fit it in smaller uh, containers. So he gets the bright idea on his own, not running it by uh, <laughs> Walt, to mm. throw it in the tub and then throw the acid on the body in the tub. Yeah. And at this point, uh, I think Walt made it back to the house uh, yeah. right before the, the tub completely dissolved and the body falls down from the top floor to the bottom floor. And it was disgusting. Yeah. This is what I'm saying, like, when you were t- telling me about this type of uh, TV show being on air week after week, it's those kind of scenes that you think, shit, like, I'm not sure we had that kind of thing before on TV. <laughs> right, right. I think it was one of those things where it's like, the the blood is implied, or you just see a splatter here and there, nothing too much, because then you have the brain. SEC on you. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was seeing, like, bits of flesh and, like, a whole pool of blood on the floor. It's like... It was so messy, and it was, it's just so ironic because they were so afraid of mess and, like, that thing. Now it's just in every part of the house, basically. I know. And it's like, at this point, you should have just cut it up. Yeah. Because, Jesus. Thing he has wellness. a whole backyard. He could have done stuff in, of course. Yeah. Probably too many prying eyes. Uh, oh, and so right before that episode ends, it cuts to a scene where the kids find... The gas mask that Walt threw, uh, and uh, they're playing with it, and she's looking around, and then it cuts, and then we go to episode three. Yeah, and uh, I think I we have some that these are the this is the episode we have flashbacks, right? With the lady friend. Scientist. Yes, yes, yes. So. Yeah, so it picks up automatically for where it left off again. So they're cleaning up the body uh, yeah. that landed on the ground. And Walt has a flashback of mm-hmm. him. He's young. He seems to be doing some sort of science stuff. And there's a woman. And they're like in this empty lecture room. Mm-hmm. And they're going over the different elements and the amounts of them found in a human body. So I see why he's flashing back to this. Because he's looking at the insides of a human body. Yeah, dead human body thinking about, like, you know, is this it? Is this all we are? Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He's and they're throwing this that. guy's body down the toilet. Like, wow. Yeah. Imagine going out that way. Oh. 
Oh my god. That would be the worst. <laughs> Jesse freaks out in this episode, right? He just like falls yeah. off for a bit. Yeah. Mm. He's just like, why? Yeah, he, poor he's, Jesse. He just like acts like such a I don't know, you can really see the age difference in this episode. Yes. And that's why I'm saying, like, it's so sad for Jesse to know that he was completely blackmailed into this situation. Like, he did not want to do this. Yeah. And here he's caught up, like, this is his only um, distributor that he had. And so now he's lost that, you know? (laughs) It's just, it's ruining his life. Yeah. Walter has genuinely come in and made it worse. Um, he's obviously experiencing things he's never experienced before, he's having to turn to drugs. I guess he already used them recreationally, but it seems like he's deepening his connection with drugs and stuff like that, so... With Jesse? Yeah. Yeah. If he becomes, like, a really, really addicted in, in a much more harmful way, I feel like he would have the right to blame Walt, because... Uh, maybe. I mean, he maybe he would have gone down that alley, alley anyway, but it seems like Walt is going to basically blow up his life. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. so far, he has no regard for Jesse's life. Uh, he just came in and said, you're going to do this, because if you don't do this, you're going to jail. And he didn't have any empathy for this guy. Like, I don't think he felt he had to, because he's, in his mind, a criminal. So... Right. He doesn't deserve to have any kind of empathy towards him. Completely forgetting that he's asking him to help him become a criminal as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, um, okay. Uh, I thought the next scene was very interesting or telling as far as um, character development for Maria, uh, Skylar's sister. Because mm. uh, Skylar decides that she's going to pretend... That she's uh, asking about a character that she's writing in one of her books and asks Marie if uh, people, I I don't understand why she thinks Marie would know this answer, but if people (laughs) who do pot have a change in mood, I I guess she wanted to know if they become um, aggressive, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, that's where she was going with that. Um, but of course, Marie immediately jumps to conclusions and thinks that the person that's doing pot, not Walt, but Walter Jr., and immediately wants to handle the situation. Like, what are you going to do about it? You've got to do something. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting that you are so quick to want to, I guess, enact some sort of punishment or consequences for something that you deem to be immoral, you know? Yeah, it is this um, nosy Parker type personality that I just actually hate. Like, she's just, how do we resolve this? How do I involve myself in your life? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, goodness. Um, does she? Does she? Did they not have kids? Her and her partner? Or no, they don't have any children. Ah, maybe it's that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I can't remember why they don't have children. I don't remember if it's a choice or if it's. Because maybe she or he is infertile or if there's like, you know, some sort of reason that they don't have children mm-hmm. other than just not wanting them, you know. But no, they don't have any kids and that kind of, uh, I think that's an issue for her because it remember. happy and insecure. Right. Because I remember that scene whenever um, it's like you get first introduced to Marie at the birthday party 
And that one woman is telling Skylar, wow, you're barely showing. You're flat as bored. And she oh, asks yeah. Marie. <laughs> and Marie's <laughs> like, oh, she's showing. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I can tell. Yeah. And then, you know, Skylar has to like, yeah, that's my sister. Of course, she's going to be a bitch to me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, what a what a sisterly um, relationship you have there. Mm. I don't have any sisters, but sometimes I see stuff like that, and I'm kind of glad. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm like, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, so this I, is, uh, mm -hmm. I think this is where Walt and Crazy Eight start having their conversations, right? Yes. But isn't there also, I, I, I don't know if, if we've talked about this yet, because I didn't write this exact scene down, but just in terms of Walt's... Um, changes he kind of kicks this guy down because he was rude to his son mm, yeah was that in the episode before or this episode right it was in the episode before i want to say it was i wrote it down i did i think it was in the first episode yes oh okay i don't know why i'm remembering it now i'll definitely make sure i like yeah but, um, no, 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 you're fine. But I, I did want to touch on it, but we kind of went over it. But but yeah, there's that scene where they're shopping together and the son is disabled, right? Yeah. And these guys are being complete jerks. And I think Walt in a previous life probably wouldn't have said anything. And Skylar would have been the one to go up to them. But he stops her. He tells yeah. her not to. Yeah. And he surprises them and goes around the store. It seems like he goes out the back and back in the front. Mm -hmm. and uh comes up to the guy and like doesn't even just confront him he pushes him down steps on his leg and like he crushes that leg with his leg basically <laughs> he does yeah and he's like come on come at me yeah, you know he's, he's like, inviting oh, yeah. a fight yeah really reckless and um i just was i was just bringing it up because of the whole like hank taking walter jr along kind of thing so i was like oh yeah walter jr we didn't talk enough about him and how he's basically getting the blame for this park thing because of marie right yeah yeah and and so like okay so there's this thing and i'm not sure if i'm right in this impression mm -hmm. but i wonder sometimes if jesse is kind of like a surrogate son for walt that oh, isn't disabled right. maybe mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and his son, I mean, not his son, Jesse is like super interested in chemistry through, without even thinking that he is, you know, but he is. So it's kind of like a very father son kind of relationship, I think, that they kind of foster here. Yeah, because he doesn't really have that with his son, his son. He's very standoffish, despite, you know, being disabled. He still lives a very regular life. And he has friends and stuff, so he has, like, his own personal life, and he's very quick to tell his parents to just stay out of his business, you know? He's not, he's not very, uh, I guess, him and, him and his father are not close. It doesn't seem like it to me, at least. No, they don't seem close, no. Yeah. But in this instance, or in that instance, he completely protected him and they seemed very proud of him and i think walt felt that when he he stood up to that bully 
Yeah, I could. I felt like that was a good moment, and I think that it's actually probably quite normal. Not normal, but <laughs> your child will go through a period of time where they just don't want anything to do with you. And I feel like Jesse's probably past that period of his life. Like he's done high right. school, and now he is looking to sort of create income or work or like you know, like you said, he's interested in chemistry but doesn't realize it, and so. Walt and Jesse are both in this prime situation to form a, an, yeah, almost like a father-son relationship. But I think my impression is more so that they are mentor-mentee. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they kind of mentor each other in different ways. Right. Because it's like they're both at the same crux, like they're at the same yeah. crossroads, so to speak. Yes, yeah. I mean, just Walt kind of further along, Jesse yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, but <laughs> Jesse still, it doesn't seem like Jesse has a sense of identity. They both right. have identity crises at the moment. And um, I think Jesse's kind of latched onto something he's kind of fallen into. Um, right. Like you can tell in the dialogue, um, the way that he and Crazy Eight interact before all the drama started, whenever he went to take him the meth for the first time. Yeah. Crazy Eight did not respect him at all. Mm-hmm. And he talks down to him. He's very condescending, despite the fact that this is his supplier, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, like, Jesse should have been way more assertive and you know this is my product and this is but that he comes off as if this dude's his boss when he's not and he shouldn't have been mm-hmm. and yet that's how he was treating him like like he was cowering around him like a dog even his dog was treating him like a a more um a docile dog than crazy aids dog you know so it was it's very interesting but jesse was definitely also an emasculated character when walt came into his life too yeah i think i guess that is important to note because this show does seem to be a lot about um masculinity or just a person taking control of their life again right but yeah. since it's men, you know, they have different expectations. And that's why it seems so very tied to this idea of what is a masculine person and how they relate to those around them, whether it's their family or their coworkers or people they work with um, or their wives or girlfriends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely very unique and uniquely um, about men. Um, I do think that just it is important that any person can kind of watch this show and gather what they can from it for themselves as well. So I think that was my problem watching this show the first time around. I tend to sort of uh, gravitate towards shows about women or about female struggle. Um, Like, you know, like Orphan Black, um, Jessica Uh, Jones. Yeah, things like that. Even, Even with Monk, it didn't feel like it was about so much a a man's struggle but just a person's struggle whereas this show definitely just it was like just pumping out this message of how does a man reclaim what it means to be a man to him right yeah that's so true that's so true yeah so it was definitely that was part of the struggle to watch it but i think this time around i'm kind of want to i do want to watch it with that knowledge that this is possibly going to be the biggest discussion that we have 
moving like across the next uh, period of weeks that we discuss this show. But I definitely want to find meaning for it for myself, which is something that I think is very selfish of me to do, but it's definitely how I operate. And so I think I'm going to look at it like the hero's journey and how does... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, how do people um, escape from this sort of state of stagnant and just giving up? And how do you avoid giving up? How do you reclaim life and take it back? Um, yeah. Right. Mm. Absolutely. And I think, like, especially this episode, it's very heavy because, you know, Walter is trying to make this decision as far as whether or not he's going to keep Crazy Eight alive and let him go or if he's going to kill him. Like, he's literally making a list of pros and cons for this guy. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, so he decides, you know, he tells him just convince me basically you know and it's so interesting to see where the conversation goes because all of a sudden you know he kind of brings up walt's life back then because he's like oh yeah your dad owned that furniture store oh yeah i bought the first crib for my son there and i imagine that at that point in his life his son, you know, his son hadn't been born yet, so he and his wife probably hadn't been together that long, you know? Yeah. So he was still kind of living on that high at that point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's that connection between, oh, the life that he once had, the life he has now, or he's try trying to create, and this guy whose dad owns this store. Is that Yep. kind of the, the connection? Yeah. Mm, almost like mm. it's like fate or something yeah and he even says he's like more than likely if it was after school i was there i was probably working there yeah so it's like he probably met him as a child so many years ago oh, to have his oh. life in his hands now Jeez. yeah this is true and he's he, he's trying to decide whether or not to do it and there's a moment that's actually very interesting but before we go there, I do want to touch on Marie stealing those shoes. Do you remember that episode, that scene? I'm sorry. I, I must have skipped, not skipped that bit, but like looked away. Because I know she was at the store talking to that. Yes. The woman so, was on the phone. And, yeah. Yeah. So she talks to her husband about, she calls Hank and she says, oh, she's like, basically telling her what Skylar said, but putting her own embellishment on it. Like, of course it's about uh, Walter Jr. You need to do something. He's like, well, shouldn't his father do something? And he's like, yeah, but you know, he respects you as if to say that Walter Jr. doesn't respect his father, which is what I was saying before that I don't think that they're very close. And it could be because he doesn't really respect his dad in that way. At least he doesn't see him the way he sees Hank, you know? Yeah. As this epitome of a man. Um, so Could she be. convinces him to mm. go and, and, and take, uh, or at least sh teach him or show him that that's not what he wants to, you know, do with his life as far as drugs go. And then yeah. she gets off the phone and she's like, you know what? I like these shoes. While she was on the phone with Hank, she was trying on these shoes. And she leaves her shoes 
on the rack where she found these shoes, the, the, the high heels that she decided to steal, and she just walks out with them. And I thought that was so brazen because obviously, you know, you're leaving your mark there. You're not just stealing. You're not ashamed of it either. Like, you're, you, you want people to know that you stole. That's what it looked like to me, at least. That's true. And yeah, she's such a, a hypocrite for it. Yeah, she's talking about, like, while she's talking about crime and, like, trying to get Walter Jr. away from that, she's committing a crime. That's mm -hmm. mm. I hate her even more now. <laughs> <laughs> and but then, of course, yeah. it cuts to Hank taking uh, Walter Jr. to, like, this meth hotel. And he's trying to scare him straight. Yeah. Poor kid. He's like, why am I here? <laughs> that kid is so innocent, and he they're, they're just like, yeah, you know this thing? That's a gateway drug. And he's just like, okay, what the hell am I doing here? Um, oh, man. Yeah, so... Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, the relationship that you mentioned between, like, Walter Jr. and Walter, it could be the whole, like, masculinity thing, but I was also thinking maybe... Part of Walt's disappointment in himself is that, like, his son isn't the son that, like, a very masculine man would accept or want. Right. Like, the traditional kind of, we play sports and we do, like, because Walt Jr. can't do that. And so maybe inadvertently and subconsciously, like, their relationship weakened because maybe Walt Jr. didn't feel like his dad, like, wanted him as Which much. Is so it, that's so interesting to think because uh to think of because it's like okay so hank even lies to the woman that he calls over the prostitute that he calls over she mm -hmm. asks if walter jr is disabled and he says no this is a it's a it's a football injury he even lies about yeah. why he's the way he is Right. So it's like Walter Jr. choosing his uncle over his dad, as far as respect goes. It seems so sad that he would choose him because he's obviously not embarrassed, but it seems that way, you know? Yeah. The way, the way Walt, I mean, Walt would be, maybe, but he just seems to, I don't know, he doesn't seem close to his son at all and it just seems like i'm not really sure why i don't know yeah if there could be many reasons it, it does seem like it could be because walt like isn't this figure of masculinity and then the uncle is but it's right. kind of like what came first the chicken or the egg um right you know, yeah when his son was born he felt like less of a man on top of all the reasons that he had to feel less of a man like because you know that's, like he blamed himself for him like, yeah. being disabled, yeah. Yeah, or something like that, and then sort of taking it forward, you know, how much did he invest in that father-son bond? Because obviously the child is influenced by the father. It's not like the child mm -hmm. decided that the uncle was a better representation of a man. He, he, it could have been, I don't know, it could have been the case that it was, I don't know, like Walter... And his nerdiness could be what the son looks up to if Walter had invested in that. And loads, right. of, loads of children can look up to a parent who's nerdy. You as the parent decide what is, I mean, 
you nurture that in them as you, far as yeah. what they um i guess what they Respect. value yes yeah. all values do end up affecting their values like even as an older sibling i can see that what i valued growing up if i had when i shared that with my younger siblings like it affected them and what they valued and what they chose to consume yep. and partake in so i i don't know i think part of it must have been walter's walt's fault um and i don't think it's just that he's this pushover guy i think that might be part of it but i think that ultimately it's his responsibility as a dad to have cultivated a close relationship with his son Mm -hmm. i don't think, I think the relationship he has with his uncle is that close like i think it's close but it's not just from what i've seen so far it feels like it's like i'm sorry but the uncle doesn't really know the son that well if he thinks right exactly yeah <laughs> i feel like like marie and skylar are kind of because they don't respect Walt, they don't think Walter Jr. does either. Yeah, and I feel exactly. like they describe it. Yes. Yeah. And that's what yes. people do. They they genuinely, like, you can see that they don't respect him then. Because they're like, oh, well, your son doesn't respect you. It's like, no, you, you don't respect me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think the son cares either way. I no. think he's <laughs> just kind of, he's lost in his little world and he's not too he's worried about the adults in his life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel for him. Well, you'll see. <laughs> no. Um. All right. So then, what happens? Oh, okay. So after, after that, after Marie steals those shoes, we kind of, um, and after the conversations that Walt has with the guy. Oh, okay. So there's this point where he calls he calls Skyler. This was before he started talking to crazy. Eight. Um, he calls Skylar. He's trying to like explain why he's late coming home, and right. he lies to her and says, "Oh, I'm working late at the car wash." And oh, she's, and she's like, like, "No, you're not." <laughs> she's like, "I know you're not because I already talked to Bogda, his old boss, and he the eyebrow guy. <laughs> yes, and he says you quit two weeks ago." She's like, "I don't know where you're at, but you all types of nosy." There. Yeah. She's like, she tells him to stay. And that kind of gives him the freedom to really sit there with Crazy Eight, you know? Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's not, he's not expected home or something. So he's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I have time to mull killing this man even further. Yep. And so Crazy Eight asks for food. Walt makes him food. But on his way down to give him the food, Walt passes out. And he ends up breaking the plate, and the food falls on the ground. And at this point, when he wakes up, he admits to Crazy Eight, which he hasn't admitted to anybody else in his life, that he's dying of cancer. So yes. this man that he's supposed to die knows his deepest, darkest secret. <laughs> yeah. The secret has to die with him, then. Just kidding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. And... I thought it was so funny. You know, earlier, I think he, he gives him uh, something to drink and he gives him food earlier in the episode. And uh, I thought it was really odd that as a chemist, he did not think, let me just poison him to death again. Ooh, good point. That would be like a really easy way to go. Just let him sleep. Yeah. Like just, you know, slip something into his drink that you know will kill him. And, and and he'll die and he wouldn't 
I mean, what else is he going to do? Not drink it, you know? He's going to drink it because he's thirsty. But he never thinks to do that. But later, whenever he comes, and I think he makes him a new sandwich after he dropped the other food on the ground. And he assures him, don't worry, I didn't put anything in it. And he's like, he tells him, oh, I thought you would poison me. That's That would be the easiest way to go. And it's like, it, at that point, it dawns on him that he could have done that all this time. And he did it. <laughs> yeah, but that is kind of weird that he didn't do it. Yeah. But mm. Yeah, so they have their conversation. And... um Crazy Age just keeps telling him he's not suited to this life. He doesn't have it in him. Yeah, he's, he's like, not right, the kind of guy. <laughs> he's like bargaining so much. He's like, you know, he, he doesn't quite see who Walt is. The Walt that we've seen, he's just seen a snippet. He's just getting, oh, you're a teacher. Oh, you're Jesse's teacher. Right. Whereas what the audience have seen is the crucial things that he went through and changes where we are we know for sure that he's not turning back like i as i was watching the guy negotiate and saying this is not for you i was like stop telling this man what he is he's kind of sick and tired of people telling him who he is yes that's so true like the more he would tell him you're not made for this i feel like that only irons his resolve like it only makes him want to be a part of that more yeah for sure um yeah but then he he actually he convinces him because walt doesn't want to do it he's like no i don't want to do this blah blah blah. you know in his head and on that pros and cons list and the guy's like just let me go it'll be okay and he's like all right all right you know he seems relieved Right. And then he makes the discovery that there's a shard of glass from the plate that he dropped that's missing. Yeah, and he's almost disappointed. Yeah, yeah. He's almost betrayed. He's like, what? (laughs) Yes, and so like he even says, and, and I wrote this out because I thought it was so interesting, he says, no, no, don't do this. Why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, He's talking to himself. Like, he's saying this about himself. Like, he's fighting with this new, transformed version of himself to not do it. You know what I mean? Ah, okay. I I read that as, no, no, like, don't do, like, to the guy. Like, don't come at me, bro. Like, no. Right. Like, But I I see both both readings, like, make sense. Because he is almost witnessing this flick, like, the switch changes in, in him. Like, now he knows it's for fight to the death. He has to kill him, kind of thing. Right, exactly. Like, now he realizes that the choice has been taken from him to go yeah. back to who he was, and he can't yeah. turn it yeah. back anymore. It's such a... so, like, Shakespearean, because there there is this element of tragedy. This is a tragedy. Like, he... There are so many steps where he could turn back and stop this path to like pure evil essentially mm-hmm. he's he's kind of seeing it every step of the way like every time he gets closer to death and he pushes back against death um and he becomes a little bit more i don't know purely evil or just more like i am the dark version of me now uh, 
I wrote the dark passenger. <laughs> yeah, the dark passenger, right. All the overlaps. Fascinating. Mm. Yeah. But so, okay. And then, so it's to, to your point, Pinkman comes home, right? And everything is clean. The RV is clean. The dude isn't in the basement anymore. Um, all the, everything had been cleaned up from his house. He doesn't go to school the next day to teach. Um, and at this point, you're thinking, man, maybe the old Walt did die with Crazy Eight, you know? Yeah. Mm. Like in that struggle to strangle Crazy Eight. Because Crazy Eight was ready to, to stab him. He was not, Hank, Hank, Walt was not going to get out of that alive if he let him go. And he knew that. And so he kills him. But it's like at that same time, he kills a part of himself, I think. I think I think he kills a part of himself, like literally every time he commits a crime. Yeah, this is true. Like he is just when he shouts at his wife or shout or kick the you know, the boy's leg or whatever it is, smokes a joint. Every single action away from himself is creating this new self, and it's killing the old self. Yeah, like just chipping it away, chipping piece away. by piece. Ooh, I like that. Like the Ozymandias thing. Mm, true. Creating his legacy, creating the statue. What what will last beyond his death? And chipping away bit by bit is literally the best way to transform yourself because then you are. It's a real change. It's not just a, a, a sort of outfit that you put on or like a costume or something. It's you're literally changing pieces of you gone chemistry yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then of course in the next scene we see that they've come up on where the fire happened where the rv was at parked at when they were cooking and i forgot but i realized then that crazy aid's car is sitting there because that's when they drove up with jesse and they oh, never yeah. got rid of his car. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, yeah. So Hank is there with his uh, with his team partner. Yeah, and they're searching the car, and Hank finds Walt's meth inside the car, the little bit that Jesse had given to Crazy Eight when he was trying to entice him to buy. And Hank is very impressed with uh, the quality of the meth he finds. And they're like, whoa, there's a new guy in town because they've never found that type of meth before in the city. Yeah. And that kind of sets the scene for the rest of the show, so to speak. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Yes, because he's, you know, he's got this very pure product that he's selling that the police have never seen before. Yeah. So it picks their interests because it's like, okay, where is this coming from? Now they now they're wondering, you know, is this coming from yeah. out of the state? We know the police are all, you know, corrupt. Uh-huh. They're probably gonna want to cut. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we find out that Emilio was the snitch, even though they were trying. That's the whole reason that Crazy Eight was against Jesse and and against Walt was because he was on Emilio's side. Not knowing Emilio was snitching on him this whole time. 
Right, yeah. So he died for his cousin, I think. Yeah, it was his cousin. And they think that this whole thing, like the scene that they come upon, was to get rid of their snitch. So they really are giving Walt a lot of power here. They're building him up the way they were building up Captain Crunch, or the captain, for Jesse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And then those little kids give them the, the, the mask, the gas mask from school. And I yeah. wonder if it's got a stamp on it. Oh, jeez. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, I like I liked that scene as well. This The innocence of the kids picking up. Like, what are they doing in the middle of the desert? But okay. Uh, it's reservations, more than likely. They live out there. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was just kind of eerie and weird. And I was like, I like, I like this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was super excited. I had to stop myself from watching episode four. Because I just want to know what happens next. Even though I've seen it before, I don't remember. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah that's the great thing about watching a show you haven't seen for so long it's that kind of like you almost get the same excitement that you did when you first watched it although you mm -hmm. kind of do have hints of what happens and you kind of remember but it, yeah yeah and i didn't want to like accidentally bring up episode four if we were oh, talking right. <laughs> but, I mean, like, how to wait <laughs> i appreciate so I'll it i'll probably watch it today <laughs> there we go yeah um oh. but this, it, it ends with him calling skylar and i assume we don't know what happens but i assume he's going to tell her about the cancer oh that's right so he walks in she's sitting yeah. there crying because he didn't come home all night like she told him to and he comes home and he's like we need to have a talk yeah. and yeah you're wondering it's like are you going to tell her about the meth are you going to tell her about the murder are you going to tell her about the cancer what's it going to be <laughs> yeah i feel like it will be the cancer so that she can feel sorry for the for being sort of mm -hmm. the way she's been and give him a bit right. of, like, okay, you can have pot, I guess, you're dying. <laughs> well, I think it's the only way that he can salvage his relationship because at this point she thinks he's cheating maybe yeah. or heavily in drugs. Like, I don't think she understands what's happening, but I think she feels like they're in jeopardy as far as relationship goes. Yeah. And... Yeah. And of course, she's pregnant, so she's extra sensitive. So right. I think, yeah, he's going to have to bring up the cancer just to bring her back around to his side. Mm. Yeah, he's quite he's quite the clever, clever clogs. And it mm -hmm. feels like the more he gets into this role of being this version of himself, this darker version, the more he's going to get better at uh, manipulating everyone around him. Right, like Crazy 8 telling him that you're not made for this life, you're not this kind of person. It seems so off the mark, like you don't know him at all. He doesn't even know himself, but he's very good at this so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's proving himself, and he can see it. Like it. Yeah, even in this, um, uh, what's it called, picture of season one, like this thing that we've got on the Discord here, uh -huh. One half of him, like, this shirt's tucked in, hand no gun, and the other half, shirt tucked out, hand with a gun. It's like, ooh, one size a gangster. <laughs> oh, that's so true. How interesting. <laughs> I like that. I had not noticed that. The whole, the chirality. We're picking up mm -hmm. on, on the symbols. This is a good show for symbols, like you said. It's fun. Yeah, they, they do. They play with metaphor a lot. Yeah, I think um, you should link me to that Ozymandias story. I'm interested in reading I've never read it before, so I'd like to read it. 
Yeah, for sure. It's um, Ozymandias, is a poem by Percy Shelley. So I will link it to you and then anyone else who wants to uh, just look it up, guys, if you're curious. But yeah. Yes. This awesome. Is looking forward to next week already. Hopefully um, our listeners are as well. <laughs> yeah. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, if you haven't seen it before, definitely follow along with us. It'll be fun. Um, and for those that have seen it before, I hope you guys enjoy our breakdown uh as the as the weeks go by yeah i'm i'm really 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 looking forward to it so thank you for joining us today and hopefully we will uh you know you'll listen to us next week as well thank you guys thanks guys see you soon